What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, back today is my co-host Curtis, and today on the show, we're going to recap the news and storylines coming out of week four of spring practice. We've done this each and every week throughout the spring, uh, and Coach Kirby Smart, he got a lot of air time this week with press conferences after practice on Thursday, and again after after Saturday's scrimmage. I think he also had a radio spot, at least one radio spot on 6A of the Fan. Uh, so we're going to focus most of the conversation today on what he has had to say about the team and where we are 12 practices into the spring. We only got three left. We're just about done with this, about to wrap it up. And uh, reporters, you know, they, they only get to see such a meager bit of practice, just a small bit of what's actually going on. That's really difficult to base very much at all off of what they get to see. Since, I mean, really, what they're seeing, guys, it's glorified warm-ups. They get to see about 12 to maybe 15 minutes of practice every day, and that truly is kind of the glorified warm-ups part of the thing. You see guys do some stretching. Uh, you see guys break out of position groups and do kind of some walk-through type stuff, but nothing much at all. Uh, you can glean a few things, you know, like starting lineups, things like that, but really beyond that, you can't really take too much away from it. So with that in mind, given that Kirby is always very straightforward and honest in his assessments of players, of position groups, we're just going to start the conversation there today and kind of give you our take on what Kirby had to say. But before we do all that, I want to make sure to remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Love to hear your thoughts on everything that's going on, especially as G-Day approaches. Love to hear what you guys are looking forward to seeing in G-Day, players, position groups, whatever it is that you are going to have your eyes on this Saturday. Also, make sure that everyone knows where to find the show. Clearly, you're listening to us somewhere out there. But uh, DawSportsRadio.com will be the first place to check for the show. You can also download the DawSports Radio app straight to your phone. If you prefer uh, iTunes and SoundCloud, some of the bigger apps out there, you can definitely find us there and also on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And if you get a chance, uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you could rate and review the show. Give us some feedback there. It would really help us as we continue to try to grow the show. So thank you to everyone who's done that. And if you get a chance, it'd be awesome. Thank you in advance. But Kurt, let's go ahead and get into this, man. So we're going to kind of just look at what Kirby had to say on a couple different topics over the course of last week, especially late last week as we moved into the weekend. Uh, and kind of give you, I'm just going to give everybody what he had to say. And then Kurt, I'm going to ask you for your take and kind of just discuss it from there. And we're going to start with uh, a comment he had to make when asked about some of the early enrollees. And he was talking about Britton Cox, early enrollee, outside linebacker, at least as of right now, he's playing outside linebacker. He might grow into more of a five-tech guy, but I think he might stick it outside linebacker. This is what Kirby had to say about Britton Cox. He said, quote, Britton gets to go with the ones every now and then in pass rush. I'm going to stop it right there. Britton gets to go with the ones every now and then in pass rush. Curtis, with that quote, and look, in everything we're saying right now, it's still so early. We're still in spring practice, haven't had G-Day yet. Uh, definitely, obviously, have not gotten in the fall. These guys still have some more time in the weight room to get through the rest of the spring and, and early part of the summer. But, Kurt, based on a quote like that, without having seen him in college, but just based on what his head coach has said about him, especially with that quote right there, how much playing time do you expect this guy, Britton Cox, to get this season? Um, at this point, I can see something very similar to um, a Walter Grant from last year at the moment. I mean, he may get be- uh, may you know earn himself some more PT, but the way that Tom about uh, Kirby's talking about him getting first team reps, kind of in the passing situation or you know pass rushing situation like that, kind of does remind me of what we saw from Walter Grant. Yeah, I think that's the key part there. He says you know at the very end there, he gets to go with the ones every now and then in pass rush. So what that tells me is number one. He's not always working with the ones, clearly, because he says he has to go with the ones every now and then. And then he he kind of qualifies that by saying in pass rush. So it seems like when he's getting reps with the ones, 
it's in those third down packages. And Kirby, if you I mean if you look at anything that he's done defensively over the past couple of years since he's been here, him and Mel Tucker, uh, they are very, very keen on the idea of having multiple different packages of guys to fit every situation out there. The the idea of like three down players those are those are bygone days. Now there's a few guys that you can play are three down players like Roquan Smith, but those guys are rare, especially when it comes to young guys. Uh, it's it's much more of a specialized game in all facets, but especially defensively, you want to get guys on the field in certain situations to kind of maximize their skill sets. And I think right now what this is telling me is that clearly Brenton Cox's skill set or his premier skill set at this point appears to be rushing the passer. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And that's and that's just based on what Kirby said. Now we haven't seen him yet. I'm, he's one of those guys. Kind of spoiler alert here. We're going to have a G Day preview show later in the week. But he is one guy that I will definitely have my eyes on because I, I knew Chris. You and I were on this last year a lot, and a lot of it had to do with maybe some of our scheme, like schematically what we we're trying to do with some of the mush rush type stuff and just containing quarterbacks in the pocket. But if there's one area where I really feel like we needed to improve off of what we were doing defensively last year, it was getting after the passer on a more consistent basis. And part of that was just personnel, I believe, last year. But if you get guys like Britton Cox into the equation, uh, and obviously DeAndre Walker coming into a more prominent role, and maybe guy like Adam Anderson once he gets on campus, I think you're going to have some guys that can seriously get after the passer. And you can't forget about Robert Beal either. So I think that Cox will certainly fit into that role. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can do moving forward. All right, the next question, or the next uh, topic that Kirby broached that we're going to bring up here is uh, the other the other linebacker position, the inside linebackers. And he had some very interesting things to say. And really, this is nothing that Curtis and I have not really talked about already, but to hear the head man himself kind of articulate this, it was kind of eye-opening. And so he's saying this in reference to the inside linebacker position. Kirby said, quote, That's the position, inside backer, that we have no dominant player. We have no clear clear head and shoulders above better-than-the-rest type linebacker. We want somebody to stick out. We want an alpha male that kind of re- that kind of reads the whole defense and dominates. But that hasn't happened yet. End quote. All right, Kurt. Obviously, again, still very, very early in the in preparation for the 2018 season. But how concerning are comments like that coming from the head man himself, a guy that we've talked about many times, is very straightforward and honest in his assessments. How concerning are comments like that to you at this early point? I mean, it's concerning, but at the same time, you and I said going in, or yeah, I know for I did going into it that we, I, I really didn't think we'd have an alpha male, at the inside, especially the inside linebacker. But is that not concerning that we do not have a guy like that? Because even go back to Alabama defenses of yesteryear, they always had that one dude to plug an inside linebacker that kind of took over and ran the show, and he he was that alpha male. Is that concerning if we don't but have at that? At the same time, we, he, he hasn't been able to get the, he hasn't had enough recruiting classes to get those where you can just plug and plug and play. Right, no, I'm not right. blaming him at all. I'm just saying, like, is it not concerning that we don't have that? Because that, that's a key component to this defense. Um, I mean, it is concerning, but at the same time, I feel like I said before, I think that they're going to find a way to you know counteract whatever situation they're thrown because um, that's just what they do. I mean, if if, if if they have to do it by committee or whatever, they met, they'll do it. They'll have, They'll probably have, more likely have it at each situation, you know, a different player, you know, there's a chance he could come in for different situations. Um, until, I mean, he really wants these freshmen, to come, these up, incoming freshmen to really come in and start becoming their alpha males. I mean, that's what he's really been going for. I 100% agree with you, agree with you there, and I'm going to get to that in just one second. But going back to the idea of, like, a, replacing Roquan by committee, like, I, and, and there's a very good chance that's what we're going to have to do, like you said, and kind of and just use guys' skill sets in certain situations and, and have more specialized packages. 
But like when I hear the phrase like by committee, to me that tells me that you don't have anybody that's good enough. That's what that means to me. Like running back by committee means like you don't have a guy that's good I enough. I hardly think that's the case. I mean, let's look at it. Juwan Taylor. Not he has though. done nothing in his whole career. Uh, Tay Crowder, he's getting better, but he was a he was a running back originally. Yeah. Um, you have Monty Rice, who's good, but he's nothing special. Uh, name it Bride, he has all the athletic ability he could want, but lacks some of the uh, the finer um, traits of playing that position. Exactly. So, I mean, and that's the thing. You look at everyone we've got there, and it's no one that jumps off the page. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if we have – like, we don't have anybody that's the total package. And look, we, I'm, not, I'm not even comparing them to Roquan. You cannot compare them to Roquan because we're not going to have anybody that's going to be Roquan. It doesn't matter. We don't have that. But do we have somebody that can get remotely close to that? I just don't think we have – I don't know if we have an elite inside linebacker on campus right now. I think Natres is a really good player. I don't think Natres is an elite player. I think he's really good and he's really experienced. And I'm I'm good with nature. Like he's a he's a very good player for us. Yeah, it, it, to me it's the other inside. Yeah, it's the other spot that that concerns me. I'm not going to lie, that concerns me right now because you you laid it out perfectly. Jawan Taylor is a career reserve. All right, so we're all we're all of a sudden expecting him to make this massive jump in his senior year. I'm not saying it's impossible, but can we sit here and expect that to happen? Like yeah. I, I don't think you can. And Monty Rice is still very young, and, he, and Monty Rice flashed some last year. He, he when he got some playing time, he did some good things. But I don't know if I've seen enough from him in his – and again, sparing, spares playing time. But I don't know if I saw enough from him to say, yeah, that dude is going to be the next stud inside linebacker. I think he, he could grow into that. You're right, Nate McBride. I don't I, – I, I can't sit here and say what we have in Nate McBride because I haven't seen a guy play inside linebacker since he was in high school. Now, in high school, he was very unpolished at that position. You mentioned he has all the physical traits. We've talked about before. He definitely does. But yeah, is he ready right now? I don't know. From what we understand, he's getting reps like the threes most of the time. So it doesn't seem like he's ready. And then Tay Crowder's a guy. Kirby talked about him a little bit this week. He was asked directly about him, and he was honest. So Tay's made a lot of progress. But Kirby's exactly right when he said, but you have to understand, this guy didn't start playing linebacker until like two and a half years ago. All right? So I mean, he's, he, like, he's made a lot of progress from where he was coming from. But this is a guy that never played linebacker in high school or in Little League. Like, this guy was a, a receiver and a running back for most of his career. So, yeah, he's made progress, but he was coming from so far back that how much does that progress actually mean? Does that mean he's ready for playing time? It doesn't seem like that's the case. I mean, he, he might get some time. I just don't know if we have that guy right now on campus. And then the second thing you mentioned there is, and I agree with you, is that we are looking for one of the incoming freshmen to be that alpha male. In your opinion, of those guys coming in, maybe the guys on campus too, maybe one of those guys, maybe it's Monty Rice and grow into who is the most likely candidate to become that alpha male that Kirby referred to? Um, are we talking about people that are on campus right now? It could now? be campus right now or guys coming. Like, if you're looking at game one or maybe even mid-year, who's going to emerge? Just, I don't know if we're going to know by the time game one or something. I, who's going to emerge as that alpha I male? I honestly think it's going to be Quay Walker. I think he's going to come agree. out. I agree. I think, I, because I, I think Tyndall has a lot of the, uh, physical attributes, but he's got the um, weight on. He's like two fifteen. Walker has the body already, and yeah, hundred you know, percent. Body and the size. Quay Walker six four. I've, I've been hearing recently he's up to in the two forty range. He played about two thirty five last year. Uh, Chain Tyndall. I really, really like his linebacking tape coming out of high school. I think he's very instinctive with that position. He strikes. He strikes very well. He sifts through the traffic very well at the inside linebacker position. He gets downhill, uses his hands. He does all his little things very well. But his body is not where Quay Walker's is. I mean, in high school, at least what he's listed at on the recruiting services, Chain Tindall is about 215 pounds. That's not going to cut. Now, I imagine he'll put some weight on, but will he put enough on? Right now, Quay Walker, is his body is ready right now. I will say Tindall played inside linebacker almost exclusively in high school, so he has maybe more of a built-in experience with that position, whereas Quay was moved around, and he played some inside linebacker. He played some stand-up, like outside linebacker, pass rushing. He played in uh, kind of uh, in space a little bit 
uh, as kind of like a, a guy out there in coverage. He his versatility allows him to do a lot of different things. He was used in different ways. So I don't know if he has as much experience. He does. I don't. I know he does not have as much experience in that position. But I think he's got every skill set you could ever imagine at that position. I think those guys. I think Tyndall and Walker are both of our linebackers of the future. I mean, that's now. And that's look. I haven't. That's a major projection. I've not seen these guys at the college level, but just knowing what I know about them coming out of high school. I, I feel really good about those guys being major contributors for us sooner rather than later. I think Natres has one spot locked down this year, but you're going to have another spot open up. they got one open this year, and you have another one open up next year. So I could definitely see both those guys uh, at some point being major contributors. But if I had to pick one of them, I think I'm with you. I think Quay Walker, like the idea that Quay Walker's not a five-star to me is just baffling. I mean, I know he was just, he was just outside the five-star range. I think he was number 31 nationally in 247 composite. To me, that dude's a top 20 player nationally. Like The versatility, his athleticism, what he's able to do, uh, and the body with it, like the, the athleticism in that body is, is just off the charts. So I think he's probably the most likely candidate. I think Channing Tindall is really good too, and I wouldn't be shocked if he made a move if he put on some more weight. But does it like – okay, so if you go back to what Kirby said here. So Alpha Male, I agree with you in terms of physicality and just the makeup, the body type, the athleticism to do. I think Channing Tindall or Quay Walker could do it. But the second part of that was Kirby said, we want an alpha male that kind of reads the whole defense and dominates. As a true freshman, regardless of your athleticism and what your body looks like, can you expect a true freshman to be ready to read the whole defense? Um, no, not at all. I think that's uh, that would be the only problem. I think, and realistically, I think that if you're looking for someone to call in plays and things like that, you would hope. I think he's wanting, especially Natrez, the more because they're saying Natrez has been trying to take in more of a leadership role this year. Yeah. Um, I think that if anyone's going to take that role, it'd be more of a Natrez role who has had experience at the inside linebacker position, and he, uh, you know, he hadn't had to do the play calling things like that because that's probably more of a Roquan thing. But right. If anyone could do it, it could be him, which would still allow someone like a Quay Walker or something to get into the game but not have to be thinking more than they should at this point. To the yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to put any undue pressure on some of these young guys at like Tyndall and, and Quay Walker. Yeah, but realistic expectations. I mean, it's hard enough to come into the yeah. game and understand. Like, it's very rare that a guy comes in from day one and is a true freshman star. It happens, okay? It happens. But those guys are very, very rare human beings. It just, it's just not something you can expect. Uh, but saying that, like... When I hear these comments from Kirby, what I what I hear from him in saying these things, especially with the inside linebacking position, is those spots are wide open for a guy to come in and take it if you are good enough. And I think that Quay Walker and Tyndall have the chops that are good enough to come in and do that, especially when you don't have, like Kirby said, like straight from the coach's mouth, we don't have anybody like that. Like we don't have that guy who's clear head and shoulders above better than the rest of the linebackers. We don't have that. And when you hear things like that, to me, that's saying, "All right, dude, you got a chance coming and do something if you're ready." So we'll see. Like I don't know. Like it's just it, I can't pr- predict that's gonna happen, but I would not be shocked because I just think the door is gonna be open for one of those guys to do something. All right, uh, moving on here. Next topic. Uh, we've talked a lot about the defensive backfield over the, over the course of spring practice because uh, Kirby's made mention of it just about every time he's got in front of a mic. Uh, this time, though, he had some comments specifically about Richard LeCount, the guy that we're counting on to be a key contributor for us back there at safety. This is what Kirby had to say. He said, quote, Sometimes I think Richard really wants to be good. I don't know if Richard knows what it takes to be good, like the demand it takes, the study it takes, the seriousness it takes. He's a very talented young man, but he's got to meet the demands the position requires, which is come in, learn, make the calls, make the decisions. Sometimes I don't know if he wants that responsibility on him. 
We certainly are counting on him, and we are continuing to coach him until he gets it. And then Kirby goes on to say, uh, quote, do I like what I see on the, on the football field? Five minutes? I say, yeah. Another five minutes? I'd say, what the hell? It's up and down. It's not consistent. So it's hard to answer that question because it depends on what five minutes you're referring to. He has some wow plays. He covers a lot of range, but he can cover the range in the wrong direction really fast, if you know what I mean. We're counting on him. The other players are counting on him. Dog Nation is counting on him. End quote. I know that's a long quote, but I want to get all that in there, Kurt. Uh, so again, Kirby's been harping on secondary all during the spring, particularly about depth and experience. But clearly this time he really zeroed in on Richard LeCount. Kurt, uh, kind of same question I had initially about the inside linebackers and Kirby's comments there. Do comments like this from Kirby, a guy who's who's got a defensive back or uh, uh, coaching background, do comments from a guy like that concern you about LeCount's development at this stage? Um, honestly, no, because it shows that account can do it right sometimes. Um, but it, I mean, if the consistency is not there, but I don't think that it's not going to happen. I think more than anything, because like I, we just said, especially last week, Kirby knows how to use the media for his Absolutely. own sake. He even I got I, I don't have this direct quote here, but in his press conference on Saturday, he was asked. So he said those comments about account on Thursday after practice. On Saturday, he was uh, right. They asked him again about Richard. Say, hey, was Richard any better? He said, Oh yeah, he he, he got a lot better. He must have, you know, y'all must have helped him. Y'all must help him out there. Basically, he was saying like it, to me that was that was a pretty tacit admission of, hey, by the way, uh, I was hoping he would hear what you said because that would help him get motivated and get in the gear. And clearly, it worked at least for that one day. So I think you're right in saying he's using the press to motivate these I mean, guys. Let's be honest. I mean, should is there saying all right, maybe he can grow a little bit more and things like that? Yes. I mean, that happens for a lot of these kids that are five stars of the status of like he was because things came easier to them in high school than it did for some other. They didn't kids. have to pay attention to the finer parts of the game and in, in assignments. They just basically were told see, see ball, hit ball. Like that's what they were told to do, right? You know, exactly. So I mean, especially with his athletic ability, everything they would more or less just let him go out there and do his thing. He um, was just roaming. Exactly. And so I think that's the biggest thing is they also. I mean, they're they're having to learn uh, college system at the same time. Also, so I mean, they're still having to learn things that they've never learned before. So and, and like we said, there's a difference in you know getting a, a few first team reps here and there to the to all of a sudden you're the the guy getting all the first team reps. There's is a difference. Oh no doubt. And that the last uh, sentence there in that quote. Say when Kirby said we're counting on him, the other players are counting on him. Dog Nation is counting on him. Like that's almost as close as Kirby ever gets to saying like this is our guy. Like he's always talks about competition. You know, you know, we don't know who the stars are, but like he says we're counting on him. Does that not tell you right there? Like this is a dude. Like we he we have to have him ready to play because we. Don't, and exactly. to me, it's again him saying like we don't have anyone else. Like if this guy's not ready, if we can't get him fixed up and ready to go and, and playing within the system, then we're in trouble. You know, I mean, that's that was a very striking comment to me. And also, was a, again, a, kind of an admission, I think, of him saying, like, this guy's going to start. Like, dude, like, we're counting on him. Everyone out there is counting on him. And he cannot screw this up. And I think that's why he made those comments. I mean, look, that's almost like, you know, if you took this out of like, out of the fact that it was part of the press conference, is that not – can you not imagine that being like a conversation he's having in his office with Richard? Yeah, and I think it's more than just that. Uh, like, you, he probably has had these conversations. Oh, no doubt he's had these conversations. But, but there's also this thing of when you go home, when you're away from football, because these kids, I mean, especially these types of these kids, I mean, they have lives outside of football. That you know, when he does this and it gets in the media, you know, that's all over Twitter and all over things where these kids go. They live on social media. Exactly. So this this type of thing, it, it stays on their mind. So you know, when they, when they when they walk out of that 
facility and they haven't had their minds on other things, all of a sudden it's still fresh. Absolutely. I, I think he's clearly communicating with his player through through the media, which uh, I think can be effective. And he's trying to motivate him. He's challenging him. I think Kirby's a master motivator. I think he's shown that. And this is just part of what he's trying to accomplish there. So, I, I look, I, I do think LeCount probably has a good bit of ways to go. Because, like you said, that, you know, moving to the major college level and then learning the intricacies of the position, that's a pretty big adjustment for a guy who hasn't had to do all those things and, and be the guy. And especially when you play – I think one of the reasons Kirby harps on this, especially with LeCount, is when you play safety, if you blow an assignment – like it's magnified because there's no one else back there. You blow a coverage and it's and you blow an assignment, it's six points, right? And we just can't. You can't do that. You cannot give up explosive plays on the field. And this is a guy that like we don't have the depth behind him. We know that we're counting on him. Like you know, Kirby said last week, you know, with, with the inexperience and the depth issues in the second year, like we knew this was coming and we we tried to prepare for. It. And Richard Count was a big part of that plan in, in preparing for the, some of the vacancies that are, that we have this year in the secondary. And we need him to respond because if not, then like, let's just be real. We're going to be in trouble if this guy is not ready to be the kind of player that we all hope and pray and think that he can be. Uh, I will ask you this, though. So, clearly, I mean, we know that Richard's going to be an experience. He got some time last year, but not not a ton, okay? You know, early in the season, we had some injuries. So he was playing some serious snaps. But after that, it was just kind of spot duty. Would you take Richard LeCount as a sophomore and all that entails, all the inexperience, potential blown coverages, but the extreme talent, athletic ability this guy has, would you take Richard LeCount as a sophomore or Dominic Sanders as a senior four-year starter, if you had to choose between those two at safety next year? Uh, I'm still going, I'm going to go with uh, Richard LeCount. I think the thing is, even at his four, as a fourth-year senior, Dom missed a lot of coverage, did a lot of things that he still made his own mistakes and didn't want to make Yeah, again, like the blowing the national championship and things. He was still a huge liability when it came to stopping mm-hmm. the run. Yeah, Dom wasn't perfect. Uh, I will say, like you know, I will, under Dom Sanders, when he was back there for four years, I mean, he did a great job for us. He's a really good player. I don't think he was ever elite. I think he was a really good player. Um, we didn't give up a ton of explosive pass, passing plays outside of like when corners are just flat out beat. Like you know, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to Ole Miss last year, remember, or two years ago. Remember that game? They're just God, Briscoe is getting to everybody, not just Briscoe, everybody's getting roasted. Um, but, you know, I think Sanders did a really good job of being in the right spot the majority of the time, which is key. That's one of the reasons why we didn't give up a ton of explosive plays through the air throughout his four years. We were always really good in that in that regard, even under Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but there were just, you know, there were some plays that he just simply could not make because of, I don't want to say athleticism deficiencies, but there were, he he just wasn't athletic enough. He didn't have the skill set to make certain plays, where Richard, where, where whereas Richard has the ability to make those plays athletically. But again, a big part of it is being in position. And Kirby, you know, he pointed out, he's like, look, you know, if you run, you know, it's great to be athletic and be able to and cover a lot of ground, but if you cover a lot of ground the wrong way, that doesn't do anything for us. So I, I'm kind of torn here. I've always been a guy, and I mentioned this on the show before, I've always been a guy who would rather take talent over experience, because I think you can teach guys how to how to do things and where to be. You can't teach athleticism and talent. Um, and I think Kirby is – that's what he's trying to do with Richard right now. He's, he's trying to teach him all of the things that he has to do in order to be trusted back there. But he has the athleticism in spades. So I'm, I would err on the side of taking LeCount and the talent because I think at some point the light will go on. We just need that light to go on sooner, much sooner rather than later because we, we got some serious challenges uh, early season with some quarterbacks that can definitely challenge us through the air. All right, uh, next thing here, you know, Kirby uh, was asked about the tight ends, of course, the perpetual question about the tight ends, again, the more involved in the passing game. And I thought he had a particularly, uh, a pretty, you know, kind of a funny response to it. This is what he, Kirby said when asked about the tight ends and getting involved in the passing game, maybe getting more opportunities to catch balls this year. He said, quote, 
I am so tired of the tight end questions. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if they called it more or less. The end line for me is how many points do we score? To me, when they charge you, it's how many points do you score? If they give us 14 points for Isaac Nod to catch a touchdown, we'll start throwing it to him more. If we get 21 points for Charlie Warren to catch one, I promise you we'll design a play to get a 21-point play. But right now, we're just trying to score points. Kurt, do you share Kirby's frustrations with the constant harping on the lack of passes thrown at the tight end? You hear this in the, in the, you hear this from the media, but the media asks these questions because you hear a lot of this from the fan base. Do you share Kirby's frustrations with the idea that this is constantly harped on their tight ends or not getting more looks in the passing game? Yeah, I do, because the fact of the matter is we still had a successful passing game last year. If we weren't completing mm-hmm. passes and we were struggling to get it to our receivers, get it around, then I could understand it, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, why do we have to, like, this fascination, like, we have to get the ball to the tight ends? If yeah, that's, if we, we can do that within the... Why do we have to get Nada or Warner the ball instead of someone like me, Cole, who actually has a home run threat where if you get the ball in his hands, he can take it to the house at any one time? Yeah, I think what Kirby is trying to say, and I agree with him, is like, if it makes sense to get the ball to the tight ends, we will get the ball to the tight ends. But we're not just going to throw it to him just to throw it to him. You know, and and I, you and I were talking about this at the uh, yeah. tennis match this past yeah. weekend. Is uh, realistically, some of these people act like we have the best tight ends in the nation that are. Well, you heard uh, this coming in last year, Isaac Nada. People were saying this coming into last season. Isaac Nada was the best tight end in the country, and I was, and, and, and I love him, and I love because he's our guy. But like, I'm sitting here thinking, based on what, you know, he wasn't even the best in the SEC. Yeah, like based on what that Isaac Nada is the best tight end in the SEC, and that's coming into last year. I think. We kind of saw that this year. Maybe that's not the case. You don't hear that as much this year. But, I mean, like, I, where do you think that fascination comes in? Is it, is it because Nada and Warner were both highly rated recruits coming out of high school, so we just expected them to start getting the ball a lot? Like, I don't get, like, why people want the tight ends to be getting the ball I think part the time. of it has to go with, uh, you know, like you said, those guys were, you know, especially Nada was a highly rated guy, so you think that they should get the ball all the time. And then, you know, one of the biggest things was they go back to Cheney when he was at Arkansas. He used Hunter Henry and all those guys all right. the time. But he that also didn't fair. have receivers like us. Hunter Henry was, uh, I mean, he was just a better pass catcher than Nada. Like, Nada is a good player, and I'm I'm really glad we have him. I think he's a good tight end, and I think he, he could be in, in store for a, a big jump this year, potentially. I thought he really came on at the end of last season. I think you and I were talking about this, too. I think Warner not being in the game against Alabama potentially hurt us a little bit there with the injury. Uh, but, like, Isaac not is is he truly like a major matchup problem for defenses? No, I mean he's not an Orson Charles. To me, he's just a great yeah, body. He's not that. that he's not that like new age tight end like where where he's that kind of hybrid tight end where, he's, where you spread him out a lot. Like, yeah, we we do spread Jimmy, him out, but he's not a Jimmy Graham. No, yeah, exactly. He's not that type of guy. Uh, what he he was all, he's a really polished tight end. That's like athletically, he's athletic. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that he's not overly explosive, like you mentioned, like a Jimmy Graham, and not in few people are. I mean, that guy's he's very explosive with a tight end position, but he's not that kind of guy. He, he's a he's a very crisp route runner. He understands how to use leverage in his routes. He does those things very well. He has good hands, but like in terms of like you put a linebacker on, he's going to burn a linebacker. Is that not his game? No, and I think I don't think it is. is. And another thing is too, it's not like our tight ends didn't run patterns at all last year. Yeah, they were, you, exactly, dude. They were out there in routes. Is it did our quarterbacks just have something against the tight ends where we don't want to get it to them, or is it the fact that maybe they just weren't getting open consistently? To me, if you really look at it, is they weren't getting open consistently. If there's not as much separation, and compared to some of the separation other people were getting, like me had wins, so you knew he was going to catch the ball if you threw it at him, or me, Cole, and Terry, who were getting separation, why would you not go to those guys? I agree. Again, like I'll go back to this. Look, I, I 
Dude, I used to play tight end back in the day. Like, I, I, I'm all for getting the tight ends the ball if it makes sense, if it truly is a matchup. If you have a situation against a team where you truly feel like you have a matchup advantage by getting your tight ends matched up on a linebacker when they're safety, then go for it. But I just don't think our tight ends were enough of a matchup nightmare for opponents last year. I think. Well, and here, here's the here's the fact of the matter is fans nowadays it doesn't you could ha- I mean we could be winning every game they will find something. There's always going to be something. About. Yes. Yeah. There's always something to play. We I think we averaged what around thirty points a game at least last year. Not good and enough. And yet people are still finding something to complain about. It's just life, and that's who they are. And that's what if that's the if that's what you have to complain about just the tight ends not getting targeted, not about our wins or losses or our point how many we're scoring. Then I can live with that. Yeah. I mean. After the first year, you know, Cheney was getting ripped left and right, right? I mean, for all the, you know, for us having a, a subpar year, not as good as we thought we were going to have. And then this year, we bounced back and have one of the better offenses in the league. But it's not, it's not, so they can't rip him for that, for not scoring points. So we're scoring plenty of points and we're winning all the games. But, you know, let's rip him for not using the tight ends, man. You know, we got these tight ends, man. These tight ends are supposed to be good. They're really highly rated. So if we're not using this, I mean, he's doing something wrong. It's like, you know what? No, we're still, like Kirby said, like the point is, like the point of the game is to score points. And like, we're doing that. So I don't understand, like, what's the issue here? The fascination is just, it's, it's, it's true. The fascination with tight ends is truly fascinating to me. Um, if you, but if you had to look at Naughton and Warner, which one of those guys do you think is a better, like, it has the potential to be more of a matchup problem for defenses? Oh, it's 100% Warner. Exactly. He wide receiver in high school. Yes, it is one. Dude, I used to watch at the 7-on-7 camps. I go, I go up there every summer to watch the 7-on-7 camps. Just walk over to the campus and, and just kind of walk in and watch. And dude, I remember when Warner, would, when he would come up there, and they they played him at wide receiver, and he would, he would just burn people and kill them. And then he'd put on some weight to kind of grow into a tight end. He was kind of a jumbo wide receiver, but he fits better as a tight end. He too can be that matchup problem. The problem that he had, it's like we had two different guys. Like, Nada was a, a good polished blocker. Now, he, he always could have improved, but he was pretty good at that coming as he played tight end in high school. He had experience doing that at Buford and then IMG. Whereas, uh, Charlie didn't have that experience. He was out there playing wide receiver, sometimes playing running back, just doing all sorts of junk. He, but he wasn't really doing much blocking on offense. So he had to grow into that. Now, he's a willing blocker, but he had to grow into that. I think he was more developed in, in terms of being able to pass catching type threat. And I think he has a little more athleticism than Nauta. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, so I think if we had to look at one of those guys, I think Warner's the guy that can be more of a matchup nightmare than Nauta. I think I'm happy that we have both of them, but I think Warner – and, and you start to see that more as the season progressed last year. He got a little more involved in the passing and he gets injured, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I think he might be the guy – was all said that he would be more of the that pass catching threat. All right, and then so getting back to that question. With all that being said, uh, this is what Kirby had to say about the tight ends getting more involved this year. He was basically asking, "What do you do? You think they're going to be more involved?" And he said, "Quote: Do I think our tight ends have caught more balls this spring? Probably so, because we've thrown the ball more this spring than we have in the past." What do you take away from that quote? Oh, to me, I take away kind of what happened to Aaron Murray. The more he got comfortable in the system, the more we were willing to let him just rip it because they trusted him back there making the right decision. I think that's what from that, you know, while they said they opened up the playbook last year, they only opened it up so much this year. I think they'll have a full, uh, full disposal to use of all the plays, and I can see them just allowing Fromm at times to go back out there, make audibles, passing, and certain things like that, and to just go back there and let it rip. Do you think we're going to throw the ball more this year? Because that's what I take away from that. 
A hundred percent because we don't have we don't have a backs like Sony and Nick. I think we have a, a really strong backfield this year, but it's, we still don't have a Sony and Nick Chubb with the experience they have. So we are going to have to open things up, and you know, especially when we have receivers like Terry and Nicole um, yeah. that can get the ball and do things with it. Then why wouldn't you? Um, I have faith in our running backs. I think we have a really good running back core. Uh, DeAndre Swift's a baller, and I think he can he can definitely run between the tackles. I have no issues. I think. Holyfield's in store for a big jump this year. I really think he's going to make some waves. And I like Harry. I think Harrion's a good back, too. And then if we get Zeus healthy, he's the total wild card. If that guy comes back healthy, I mean, we don't know. But if he does early in the season, that, that dude's going to be a beast. And then you got James Cook, who's a guy that you can use in a lot of different ways. You use him with speed, speed, you can give him the slot. Now that's a guy you can really create some matchup issues for defenses with. I really like our linebacking core. But you're right. If you have... A, a quarterback that's now a sophomore has what 15 starts under his, or thir- 14 starts under his belt essentially played 15 full games and played in big time games and big time moments and really progressed as the season went on and you factor in Terry Godwin by the way Terry Godwin's a guy that I'm hearing from some folks from the program who has had a monster spring all right that has just been an absolute beast out there on the field I felt and Miko is another guy that hurt especially early in the spring this year that Miko was uncoverable they, they couldn't stay with him so when you have all those weapons and you have a quarterback who is uh I think as good, I'm gonna say it just as good as Jake Fromm. I think the guy is really, really, really good. You guys know that I'm really high on Jake Fromm. And and then if, if Justin Fields beats him out, then that means Justin Fields is really, really, really good because Jake Fromm is really, really, really good. So whoever is at quarterback, I think we're gonna have a great situation there. You have weapons out wide, um, experience there. I think we're gonna be throwing the ball a lot more this year. Now we're never gonna get away from running the football. That's just not what Kirby's gonna do. But I, I definitely think you'll see an increase in us putting the ball in the air and putting more on the quarterback's plate this year. And you start to see more of that as the season progressed last year. I mean, heck, you saw the National Tag game. What, we did, what did we do? We came out throwing the football because we knew what they had up front. And, and we, we knew there was varying degrees of success, but we had some success against maybe the best defense in the country last year in that, in that, in that title game. So I definitely agree with that. And I think when you see that from Kirby, when you see that quote, I think when he says, we've thrown the ball more this spring than we have in the past, is again, kind of another tacit admission that, yep, we're going to be throwing the ball and open up a little bit more this year. To help us with passing is, you know, two years ago, one of our biggest problems with Easton when he was a freshman is we couldn't, you know, give him more than a couple seconds of service. I think why it improved off of the line is, is continuing to improve as time goes on under Sam Pittman, which Absolutely. will also allow us to throw more. That's another great point. Absolutely. It's night and day from Kirby's first year with what Easton was working with and what we were working with last year. There's no doubt there. All right, last topic here. Um, and look, I don't want to make too much out of this. Is, honestly, I don't think there's much to make out of it. But there were reports from various outlets, including the AJC and UGASports.com, that uh, that last late last week, I think Thursday especially, that Justin Fields was getting some drill work with the running back group. What is your take on what is going on there? Fresh um, and early early quarterback. I think it's just because, if, especially with the with the running quarterback like he is, you have to work on things like ball security and things like that that you don't have to work with as much in just your regular quarterback drills, which is all about footwork. Yeah, think about how many quarterbacks you see out there when they take off. They kind of have the ball carrying like a loaf of bread. It's like way outside their body. There's no five points of pressure they're holding the ball with, and then you get hit and you fumble. Lamar Jackson was, you know, as good as he was, he he was notorious for that. Through a lot of his career, just you know, carrying like it's just like a, it's just nothing out there, and just getting get hit and dude, ball's gone. That could change the game. Uh, and he actually in their bowl game last year against Mississippi State, he basically blew the game because of that very thing. He was just a turnover machine because of that stuff. So I, I agree with you. Like there was a few. <laughs> I had a guy, and the reason I'm reading this, I had I had a guy come up to me and ask me. A guy at work is like, "Hey man, like I said, Justin Fields working with the running backs. Like, do you think we're going to try to get him on the field and play some running back this year?" And I was like. Dude, no, it's not going to happen, right? That's not happening, is it? 
No. That's just not going to happen. That's just, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. I know very few people out there, I'm sure, thought of that. But hey, I got to ask that question. And I'm with you, Kurt. To me, that's just about, it's about getting Justin Fields some reps with the running backs and teaching him the finer points of ball security. Because uh, if, if he does this in playing time, like, you know, his, his legs are a key part of his game. That's, that's something that makes him unique. But it doesn't matter if you turn the ball over. So you got to be able to work on ball security and that kind of thing. And I think that's all it is. I really do, 100%. Um, so, but do you think this is kind of like saying that, like, by putting him over there, is this maybe some clue that we're going to use him in maybe some sort of wildcat package? Uh, definitely. I think that's always an option with him. Yeah, because I know, I mean, the reporters have reported that we've, we're working on that just about every day. And he's been one of the guys, him, me, Cole. I think Terry's gotten some reps there. Uh, a couple different guys are getting some looks at that position in that in that formation. So if that's going to be his role this year, like and look, we don't know because like Fields could still very well win this quarterback battle and be our starting quarterback game one. Like we don't know, we'll see. Uh, plenty of practice out there to be had. But if that is indeed his role, kind of that wildcat type guy come there and just kind of switch it up a little bit in certain packages and situations, maybe a goal line wildcat package. I think he could be deadly with. But if that is his role. Do you use him in that capacity if that's where he fits this year, or do you redshirt him? Uh, it just really depends because it's all about depth-wise. Well, to me, like, here's my I mean, thing. it was like last year. You, I mean, you probably would have liked to, to redshirt from, but uh, barring injury, we couldn't. But he was much more similar to what Eason was than what – Fields is to from you know like Fields could do some things a little bit different. You know, it also depends if the offense is, uh, you know, how teams are coming out playing us. Maybe we have to open things up with certain situations. It all just depends on who we're playing, the type defenses. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Like here's my thing, and this is just me, and I and I I reserve the right to change my mind on this. I've been going back and forth, but because I like in an ideal world. Jake Fromm played, he wins the job, right, and he plays the next three years. He stays four years, right, he, and then Fields red shirts, and then Fields are ready to take over for a couple years after Fromm. He stays five years, you know, with the red shirt, and then we have the, this beautiful quarterback situation for six, seven years down the road. But is that reality? No. That's absolutely not reality. It's just I, you cannot count on that happening. We saw – I know it's a different position. But let's go back to Sean Moreno. Rick Redshirt Simmons freshman year, we ended up only getting two years out of Sean. When the guy easily could have helped us his freshman year, you can't count these guys staying. Like just because you redshirt doesn't mean they're going to stay in that extra year. That just means you lose a year of production from them. So to me, if we really think that Justin Fields can help us win this year in whatever capacity it is, whether it's Wildcat coming and playing some quarterback, whatever it might be, if we think he can help us win, even if it's not as a starting quarterback, I think you got to use him. Are you with me on that? I agree. Like if you think he can help you win, I think you got to use him. And here's another fact aspect of this too: is like. Even if you don't play him all that much, even if he only gets in in certain packages and it's just spot duty here and there, the fact that he's on the field and we show him out there in certain packages, what that does is it requires opposing defensive coordinators to prepare for that. They have to prep for that. And you only have so much time in the week. They get 20 hours with their players. So if you throw another wrinkle, if you throw Justin Fields out there in any capacity— that's just another wrinkle and another headache that defensive coordinators are going to have to prepare for. And by taking time away uh, to prepare for a guy like Justin Fields out there in certain packages, that means they have less time to prepare for Jake Fromm and what we like to do in other areas of the game as well. So I think if I think it could help us win games. I don't think there's any reason why it could not. And if our coaches are sold in the fact that he can help us win games there, I think you have to use him. Because you cannot count this guy if you register him. You can't count him staying for five years. I just don't think that's going to happen at all. So – 
if you think he can help you win this year, even as a starter, use the guy. And again, I reserve the right to change that. But as of right now, that's where I am on on that question. But we'll, I'm sure we'll definitely get into the quarterback situation a lot as we after after G Day especially and as we get closer and closer to the season. But uh, all right, Kurt, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We uh, definitely appreciate everyone tuning in to listen to the show as always. Uh, check back with us later this week. We're going to have a G-Day preview for you guys. We're going to be going over what position groups and players that, we, that we're that we really going to be paying close attention to, what storylines we're going to be watching as G-Day approaches. So make sure to check back for that later on this week. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, guys, go dogs.